business owner, I was like, this, this can't be the way it is. And so I wish I would have had a tool like what converts to see the attribution from my agency to understand the value they were driving or not driving. So what converts really our product is geared towards marketing agencies to prove the value, to show your clients the value that you're driving to them. Because you've been on the other side um, dealing with bad agencies, and and now you're you know helping good agencies articulate their value to the clients. So you must be sharing your story, your personal story, with other agencies as a don't do this to your clients. Don't exactly. Welcome to Future Driven. I'm Adam Lejeunecop, and on this podcast, we talk about challenges and wins in business. See the vision, drive the future. Welcome to episode 45 of the Future Driven Podcast. Today, I've got Chase Barmore. Chase, thanks for coming on. It's been a couple of years, man. Looking forward to talking with you. Thanks for having me, Adam. It's good to see you. And uh, yeah, it's been some time. Well, we say a couple of years. I said a couple of years. It hasn't really been. We've caught up recently, but you know, Chase and I have known each other for a couple of years and really uh, interesting journey. And uh, you've got a lot to kind of tell us. And so I want to jump right into kind of the the history of where you got today. Kind of give us a little bit about your career, um, about uh, kind of what you did as an entrepreneur before you became a, uh, a SaaS uh uh, SAS leader. All right. Well, thanks, Adam. So lately, I've just been calling myself a recovering small business owner turned SAS sales executive. And basically, that is me coming from a first time founder when I, the first company I founded was called Ready Valet. That was back in 2008. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. We did uh, valet parking and parking lot management. So I started that company when I was 19. And basically grew that for 10 years, sold it to an investment group here in Louisville. We basically did uh, hotel and um, restaurants, private events. And then at the same time, I had another company called Life Bar, which was a juice and smoothie bar. So once I got out of uh, Ready Valet, I was really focused on Life Bar. Well, before you get to to that, I didn't didn't know anything about Ready Valet. So tell me... uh, (laughs) How, what made what happened or what started Ready Valet? You obviously must have been a valet at some point, and you saw an opportunity. Yeah, and let's just get this clear: it's valet with the V, and not B, as in a ballet dancer. I was a valet Parker, uh, so I worked for a large company, and a lot of people don't realize this, but valet is uh, a third party service that let's say if you're a hotel owner or a restaurant owner, you're going to sub out your valet. Um, So the company that I worked for, we did valet parking for Marriott's and Hilton's and different brands. Uh, And I was a college student. I was in nursing school and really didn't like nursing school. And a friend of mine was like, hey, man, I got this job at the Marriott if you want to valet park some cars. And I was like, sure, I'll try it. And uh first month I got like employee of the month at this company. And I was like, I love valet parking and being a bellhop. And it was just very quick transitions and meeting people and uh, learning how to get the hundred dollar handshake. And I was shipped up to the company that we had got a large contract in Indianapolis at the Conrad Hilton hotel, um, which is a five diamond hotel. 
And I just moved up there and fell in love with valeting, being a doorman and really understanding the five diamond service and how to provide just amazing leadership. And, and, and it was, it was a great experience. So then I came back to Louisville, uh, and I was working for the steakhouse and, uh, they wanted me to be the valet company wanted me to be a manager, but they're like, basically you chase, you're a contract cleaner. So just go to our contracts that aren't very happy with us. They're about to cancel. And so I would go to these contracts, get in touch with the management and make sure that they were happy. And this manager at this steakhouse chain, Morton's was like, Hey, Chase, you know, I don't like these guys. Why don't you just start your own valet company? And I was like, uh, okay, let me just Google that. I think I could do that. Valet insurance. And Ready Valet was born about nine months later. I got the contract for Morton Steakhouse. That was our first uh, like standard contract. And then we did a bunch of different like private events for Churchill Downs and crazy events. Yeah. So you were you were a traditional ballet company, right? So you were and so what what happened with that? Is that just what uh moved you through to then start Life Bar or did you do that simultaneously? So I started Ready Valet in 2008 and basically what was happening is I was, we were doing private events and we had Morton's as our contract. And then we started doing uh, weddings and getting other contracts. And so I was working 24 seven basically as an entrepreneur. And as you know, and this is sort of where Adam and where we met is health is a big aspect to being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And uh, I was having some really bad skin allergies. I was a vegetarian basically because of uh, some allergies that I was having. And there was a juice bar and smoothie bar I was going to every day, basically drinking my lunch and it closed down one day and I was like, no one reopened this place. And so I was like, Hey, I can start up this thing called life bar. So I basically fell into starting life bar basically out of a, necessity for myself to have smoothies and juices prepared because it's extremely difficult to have your own organic juice every day. Yeah. So then, so then you started life bar <laughs> yeah. and tell us a little bit about, uh, that business. Uh, so life bar, we started off as a brick and mortar smoothie and juice bar inside of a health food store here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, basically had a 500 square foot, footprint in a heavily trafficked health food store and grew a complete brand where basically when I first started, we were hacking our own coconuts using like young coconut meat, young coconut water, got really into superfoods and adaptogens and uh, yeah, created a whole smoothie brand from that. So we had that for 2010 to COVID, you know? Wow. Yeah. So that was a good run. And, and that's how we, we connected was during COVID, I believe, or right as COVID. It was right. It was right before COVID. We, yeah, it right, was, yeah. Right as it hit, we were part of an entrepreneur group and, and we were, you know, looking to tackle the world and take over. And, and obviously COVID kind of threw everybody for a bit of a loop. Um, sure did. So what, uh, what, what is that? What really, you know, what is that? What pushed Life Bar to the next level, or kind of what, what happened with Life Bar and and Ready Valet? You didn't tell us how that wrapped up. 
so ready valet i i i always i love valet parking like i i have a passion for parking cars uh i used to be a car guy and i remember the first time and i say used to be a car guy so i was into like amgs maseratis ferraris i parked everything but then this one this was like back in 2014 one of my clients that we had uh her name's Christy. And she was like, Chase, can you just go back to my house and grab a bottle of wine? Here's the keys to the Tesla. And uh, it was a Model S. And so I drove this car back just down the street. And when I got in the Tesla, I was like, this is awesome. I've never felt anything like this before. So from that point forward, I'm more of an EV guy now. Um, but with Ready Valet, we basically scaled up and I landed the largest valet contract in Louisville at this hotel. It was a 306-room hotel, valet-only suites. And I did not really realize how difficult a 24-7 large hotel was going to be. I uh, Ready Valet was fully bootstrapped and it was a large contract. So basically what happened is uh, we... They didn't pay us for a few months and my payroll is about 50 grand a month. And I got in a bad debt cycle with that business. And I had to, I was forced to either sell it uh, to get some, bring some investors in um, or, you know, figure it out. So I decided to sell it. And also at that same time, we saw a decrease in valet from Uber and Lyft. And so we were actually looking at exiting that business, me and my wife. Got it. That makes sense. So sold it in 2017, Ready Valet, and then really focused on Life Bar. And basically with Life Bar, we were going to create a brand. We were creating a whole brand uh, to where it was a lifestyle brand and really changing people's vision on how they ate and drank smoothies. And uh, yeah. I mean, right before COVID and when we were in this group, I was wanting to start a subscription company of basically like Daily Harvest of where we were shipping ready to blend smoothies and had our own protein line and creating a retail line instead of just retail um, being in a brick and mortar smoothie bar. And we were had the trajectory of doing that. We were doing about $600,000 a year in revenue in our store. And then COVID happened and we had to completely pivot. Yeah. Yeah. And that just crippled you. A little bit of a cripple, yes. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. I Going mean, from yeah. sixty thousand a month to zero was a, a pretty crazy like pivot. Yeah, but having to shut down because you that was your foot traffic, right? Like that was your I mean, how long was the bar shut down for? Oh, I mean, like we were and and Kentucky, strangely enough, was extremely strict on COVID restrictions. So we were Basically, if you've ever seen like a subway or a sub shop inside of a retail location, we didn't have an exit door. So the health department actually shut us down and they're like, you cannot operate. Um, So we were having we had a commissary kitchen and we had an opportunity to get out of our lease. And I didn't know how long COVID was going to go on. So me and my wife made the decision to just close down our two brick and mortar locations and just go fully online and manufacture own products uh and you know totally uh started a d2c business basically overnight so so that wrapped up what year 
So we finally decided to sunset life, uh, life bar back in February of this year of 2022. Um, yeah. after just trying, uh, multiple getting conversions, we had hemp in our product, we had mock in our product, and I'd really never worked with any marketing agencies. And we had some difficulty with, uh, Facebook ads and Google ads, and we were part of Shopify for startups just basically tried Amazon, tried Facebook, tried Google, tried all these different channels and each channel didn't work. So finally we just, I went to my rep at the end of the, at, in February this year and said, Hey, what should I do, Kieran? And she was like, you know, you should get into SaaS. I think you'd be great at sales and SaaS. And I, I didn't know anything about SaaS. Well, and, and before we go to that, you know, it feels like, and not knowing exactly, but that E to C business model that you just laid out, it just feels like a very expensive model to acquire your customers, right? So the big boys the that are spending a lot of money in acquisition uh, must be so expensive on all the platforms you just mentioned in order for daily harvest, you know, your kind of your vertical there um, on how to get a customer and keep them. Exactly. And that was one thing that I went in blind to uh, and not knowing how much there's, I didn't realize there's this venture capital backed world and the subscription companies online and basically in Daily Harvest and some of these other companies, they will pay whatever to acquire a customer. And I think our uh, cost per acquisition was $125 and our average order was hundred dollars. So it we're losing money each time that we're selling, hoping that person returns. Um, yeah. yeah. And we weren't certified organic. That was, and, and I also didn't know about co-packing and there was a lot of different factors that I went in completely blind to. I thought we, you know, I got to do it all myself. We're going to make it all, but it's like, you, there are so many other ways to do co-packing, white labeling. And I totally did not know about all these things. So it was a great, Great learning lesson, hard knocks, but it was a good college experience. <laughs> nice. Well, so, and you kept moving forward, obviously, because now uh, what are you doing today? So today, so when Kieran, my Shopify rep, she recommended me to look into SaaS. Uh, SaaS is software as a service. And we were, uh, Shopify has a lot of different plugins in the back end. And I was like, what is SaaS? And she's like, these are these things that we're selling to you on the back end. And I didn't realize that each one of these backend plugins was an individual company. And so I completely rebuilt my resume um, and really activated my LinkedIn and what converts where I'm at today uh, landed in my DMs on LinkedIn. And they're like, hey, Chase, we might like to hire you. And I was like, okay, cool. I was interviewing with probably 50 different other companies. What converts is fully remote. Um, and I really wanted a remote position so I could untether myself from Louisville and basically have a worldwide, uh, I could go anywhere. Yep. Yep. So then give us a little bit of the, the spiel on what exactly what converts is. I'm a new customer now, Maddox using it. We're excited about that, but tell us a little bit about the, the platform and why, you know, who are you targeting? Why do people need it? Give us a little bit on that. Got it. And thanks for being a customer, by the way, Adam. Uh, 
from my experience, and this has always helped me, this is why I was really drawn to what converts. So with LifeBar, our first experience, this was post the in the D2C world. We worked with a marketing agency here in Louisville, and basically they promised us the world. So they said, look, we're going to build you a landing page. You're going to spend $10,000 on programmatic ad displays. We're going to get you a huge Rojas return on ad spend and just give us this money and it's going to be awesome. I thought this was way too good to be true. They put it in their contract that we would get three times our ad spend, which was $10,000. And over the course of the month of that ad spend, we had zero conversions and there was zero data. And it was like a total just gut punch to be like, is this really how this works? And they they gave us no support. And me as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, I was like, this, this can't be the way it is. And so I wish I would have had a tool like what converts to see the attribution from my agency to understand the value they were driving or not that driving. So what converts really our product is geared towards marketing agencies to prove the value, to show your clients the value that you're driving to them through calls, through forms, through chats, and through uh, e-commerce transactions and give them the story of everything that you're driving to them. And so they can see calls, forms, chats, clicks, instead of looking at Google Analytics and all these really complex reports, they can actually have things that they are able to follow up on. Yeah, and I like I like the that your platform goes beyond just the pay-per-click. And I think that traditionally the platforms that we've used is is really focused in on that. And, you know, the form fills, especially for an agency like us, which we're more B2B. So we're more about uh, capturing form leads, not necessarily phone calls, but web traffic, email conversions, some paid media, but really um, what converts seems to cover the whole the whole gamut. It does and also helps to, from a marketing perspective, helps to be, bring in stranger to visitor to lead. So you can really understand how did your client actually find your website? So what source and what medium did they actually come on from? Was it Google organic? Was it a referral site? Um, and understanding that journey and then pushing into like HubSpot or Salesforce, we can push in more data. So your sales team and marketing team even know more. Right. And that's another thing, like you mentioned, we're a HubSpot agency. And so that was a really important that there was some integration there and that it all works seamlessly with what we're doing with uh, with that platform. Yes, sir. So, so then you've been with them this year? Started in April. So it's uh, November 11th today. So I, I think that's been about, it's almost to my six month mark. Okay, cool. So what uh, what are you seeing at the company? Uh, what are you seeing for yourself uh, in the future with this uh, with this platform and you know potentially other SaaS kind of products and so forth in your portfolio? So within our platform, we are what converts was founded in 2015. It's a fully bootstrapped company. The two co-founders are Michael Cooney and Jeremy Helms. Uh, basically right now we're at 6 million AAR, um, annual recurring revenue, and they want to scale to 10 and then 20 within the next year. 
Uh, and I'm really excited to be a part of that. I've never been a part of one of these uh, software companies that is scaling uh, very fast. And we have about 40,000 users on our platform. And so that's growing every day. And I would say the core of our growth is through marketing agencies who will white label our product and use this as a dashboard for their clients. Um, so really in my future, I see just getting more involved in the agency realm and then also honing my sales skills and just building partnerships. That's great. And so you're specifically targeting agencies or that's the main niche you guys are with? Marketing agencies, yes, who are dealing in PPC ad spend and also performance-based marketers. So they could be lead generators. They could be uh, people who are driving leads to service-based industries or e-commerce industries, high-ticket items that they want to understand uh, that aren't people aren't buying just natively on the website. Right. Nice. And so we're excited to use what converts for Matic uh, ourselves, right? So we're going to use this platform to manage our spend, our traffic, our leads, et cetera. And then once we feel like we're comfortable with the platform and it works, then we can start to roll it out to our clients uh, appropriately. Um, so we're really digging into that. We like the white label aspect of it as well. And uh, so any any data that you know of on number of marketing agencies in the US or North America, anything offhand? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, as we were talking, I'm like, there's just a ton. I mean, there's it's there's a ton, and there's a a lot of bad people out there. Yeah, so that's you, true. You want to be? I would say the biggest thing is work with a transparent agency. Anybody that's transparent on what they're doing and what they're driving to you, like you, Matic, Adam. I mean, I know you're. I've followed your agency for a long time, and I think being upfront with your client and actually showing the value of what you can drive to them is huge. Yeah. And you come from experience, right? Cause you've been on the other side um, dealing with bad agencies and, and now you're, you know, helping good agencies articulate their value to the clients. So you must be sharing your story, your personal story with other agencies as a don't do this to your clients. Don't be exactly. Exactly. And you know, I mean, most people probably listening to this podcast have been in those meetings where you have to prove to your client, they're asking you, why did we have to, what did we get from this $10,000 spend? And can you show me who clicked these ads, who, who called, can I follow up with these people? And if you are, you know, it, it can be a very tough situation, but when you have a platform that you can just click and say, look, these are all the people each individual person, this is how they found you. This is, you know, did you answer the phone call? And you can use this as a tool to coach your clients and also put the pressure on your clients as well if you're driving them leads and they might not be answering the phone call. Yeah. So there might be another problem down the line that you're able to uh, spotlight some where they need help with as well. Is your platform, um, I guess, versatile enough to service more B2B agencies versus the B2C kind of agencies, or do you lean to one side or the other uh, for your ideal agency? So our ideal agency uh, currently our largest customer 
is a agency who works with plumbers and trades folk trades businesses that are trying to scale from 10 5 million to 10 million 10 million to 20 million and 20 million to 50 million so they're spending a lot of money they're using our tool as just one piece of their pie, piece of the pie to show their clients the value that they're driving um and the value of their leads that they're generating Anybody that's a Google partner uh, is an ideal client as well. So yeah. those are the people that, because we natively integrate with Google ads and we can even sharpen the GA4 and the Google ads uh, conversions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, I think that so, answers your question. Does that answer your question? So B2C though. So really. B2C, yeah. B2C, I mean, but it, really we can work with anybody. I mean, it, I know I hate saying that and that's really not my vertical. It's like, Yes, the perfect ideal clients that we yes, it's B two C lead generators, uh, senior well, living facilities. It, we as a B two B agency are using it for a B two C purpose, and we see value in not only for ourselves, but then even something as simple. So we do a lot of hubspot and other email marketing platforms for people and and, and integrate it into webflow websites so even just articulate the the email traffic and conversions what i liked about what converts is that it shows the every step of the journey from from the customer right so how they interacted with you where they came from the landing pages like that that i thought was super interesting that you could dive into every layer of where they clicked and where they've been not just they come they came from this location right so i think that was kind of cool yeah and i would say a lot of people are spending a lot of money on tools lead forensics i mean zoom info there's a bunch of different tools that salespeople are trying to that are using for this data the biggest thing and and i think this is where the difference of what converts is basically the people that we are considering a lead are people who have interacted with your site so it's somebody that's either made a phone call filled out a form filled out a chat or an e-commerce transaction so you can actually physically reach out to that person and it's not just saying like oh somebody from apple's on your website and you got to go digging for who that person is. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we're excited to uh, jump in and figure it out. And uh, we appreciate your support. And thanks for coming on the show today, Chase. And uh, uh, looking forward to seeing what you do next, man. Thanks, Adam. And uh, if you if you want to reach out to me, I'm on LinkedIn. That's where you can find me. And happy to answer anybody's questions. And happy to help you, Adam. Yeah, I think everybody uh, will be interested in, you know, kind of learning more about what converts and we'll put all the information in there. So uh, thanks, Chase. And uh, let's uh, stay connected and looking forward to see what you're doing. Sounds good. Have a great day. Thanks, man.